0: way from off-season to game day. Yeah, we talk that. It's the 49ers Cutback. It's 49ers Cutback podcast time. Welcome to the show. Thanks to everyone that's already joining chat. What's up, David? What's up, Donald? How's it going? Already hitting it with the hashtag TCC. Always enjoy that for sure. And I'm excited about this episode. We got a lot of talk about as far as 49ers news. A few clips of Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo talking about uh, their relationship, the dynamics with the 49ers. But we're going to get into those as well. But it is Thursday, which means it's live Q&A. So if you have questions, make sure to leave them in chat because I'll make sure to get into those. I'm really excited about it. And how's it going, Roll uh, Roy Shooter? Uh, welcome to chat. So yeah, this was a very eventful day. Number one, Trey Sermon, who was waived yesterday, has been picked up. He was picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles. So that was one thing that came down earlier today. He was claimed. So Trey Sermon will not be on the 49ers practice squad. The 49ers will probably look to add a running back to the practice squad now. Who will that be? Uh, don't know for sure because they're gonna have to get a young player as they already have six veterans Unless they go ahead and move on from one of those veteran players They could in fact move on from a keaton sutherland But I think they might need him just in case something happens to jake Brendel. So you have to make sure prepared and what's up brad welcome to chat always love when you're in here So I think there's a lot of things that still need to be decided by the san francisco 49ers Uh, but today of course the biggest news of all of it is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo practiced for the first time with the 49ers, meaning he was on the field with Trey Lance again. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where I didn't think I would ever see it again. I never thought that this would actually happen, that Kyle Shanahan would bring Jimmy Garoppolo back and that Garoppolo would be the backup quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I think it was a perfect world situation where you could bring him back on a cheaper salary Make sure that your quarterback room is uh, nice and comfortable just in case something happens to Trey Lance and it actually happened. So that was, that was wild. Uh, it's it's, a, it's crazy. And then of course, John Lynch, uh, you know, had some comments today. Of course they're doing some pressers with, without being on, you know, the public where the public can see it, no YouTube, all that, but just with media members. Uh, and there was some interesting things that come out from that as well, from Trey Sermon and Jordan Mason, also, some Daniel Brunskill, Nick Zakel uh, news as well. So, we're going to get into all of that today. And um, that's one of the things I'm really excited about is getting into all the 49ers news because there's a lot. But like I said before, if you have things to talk about, go ahead and leave them in chat. We'll get into those as well. Uh, I'm not going to dominate the conversation. I'm going to make sure that we have a, a fun conversation for all of us um, because it's it's that time. I mean, next week, we are getting fully into... Uh, 49ers news, uh, 49ers versus Bears news, in fact. And that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So um, I'm I'm definitely excited about it. We had some guys change their jerseys number two. There were a little bit of conflicting reports uh, because, like, I saw that Talano Hufanga had changed his number to 30, but uh, they didn't have George Odom changing his number. So I'm like, wait a second, what is actually going on here? Uh, That doesn't make any sense. Um, for, the, for Talano if I'm going to change his number and then go to 30. So there was some interesting stuff with that. Um, so we'll get into some of that as well. I think that, you know, the jersey numbers are always interesting because we had Charverius Moore uh, going ahead and moving his number and, you know, and, and other guys as well. So we'll, we'll get into that as well. So if you have stuff, go ahead. <clears throat> David says, is the Eagles run game more friendly to Sermon's run style? I think it is because right away you're going to put him in with Jalen Hurts uh, Jalen Hurts, wants to he wants to run the football. They're going to run a lot of read option. He's going to be in the shotgun. I think Trey Sermon fits what they do in Philly. I think it's a good situation for Trey. I think it's a good situation for Philly. And the 49ers got a better version of the style of running back that they were looking for with Jordan Mason and TDP. Those guys are going to do what they were hoping Trey Sermon was going to be able to do. Uh, Sermon had a lot of versatility in his game. The way that he moved a lot differently than most big running backs. I mean, he was one of those guys that... Played like a more agile player, but he lacked a little bit of acceleration. Vision came along this year. The acceleration, though, was something that he still needed to continue to work on. So we'll we'll see what happens for Trey Sermon. I wish him nothing but the best. I don't think he was ever a fit. If you go back and watch the early draft uh, you know, videos from last year after the draft, I, I was not exactly the biggest fan. I tried to talk myself into it. Other people came on and tried to talk me into it. And ultimately, I I saw an improvement in training camp, which I got excited about. Um, but it didn't translate to the game, which was a little frustrating for me. Because I would go to training camp. I would see him be decisive, run with that acceleration, get positive yards. I was like, okay. And that's when the John Lynch comments came out talking about Sermon had a really good uh, training camp. He wasn't wrong because he really did. But um, it just didn't translate to the field. And I think that's, that's too bad. And then uh, JP says, no 14 is still uh, ZAF. Um, Yeah, there is, right now, 14 is uh, gone. So Brad Jones is filling in really like Mason to 24. Yeah, Mason went to 24. Uh, Charverius Ward went to seven. We had um, Danny Gray go to number six. I know those ones happened. Brock Purdy apparently went to 13. So that was a movement. So 14 is now open. But we had some movement along the way, uh, and it's, it's a little bit, you know, it's a, it's a little bit uh frustrating for some of these. I'm glad that we got 24 and a Jordan Mason. I don't know if I was really a huge fan of him wearing 41. You look for those things to often happen. Uh, The one that's a kind of interesting, Tarveris Ward going to seven. I thought that was interesting. Danny Gray just loses the eight. Um, that one makes sense. So that's not too big. Uh, Brad just says, missed your opinion yesterday. What did you think of the guard we picked up yesterday? So Blake Hance uh, comes over from the Cleveland Browns and, um, it's going to be a little bit easier to talk about today because John Lynch gave a little bit uh, of understanding of exactly why they got Hans. And one of the reasons was they believe that he can play all five of the offensive line positions. In fact, he has done all five in the NFL. So they felt that that versatility was something they valued. And part of the reason that they valued that so much was the fact that Daniel Brunskill may not be available for week one. They're hopeful. Uh, but you always wonder what John Lynch means by hopeful. here, are hopeful with an injury situation and never makes you feel comfortable or confident that the right thing is going to happen. So uh, they bring him in potentially as, you know, insurance in case Daniel Brunskill isn't ready to go. He brought up still questions about Mike McGlinchey's available for week one. Questions about Daniel Brunskill's available availability for week one. So this is an installation move. You bring in a guy that had logged over 500 snaps last year between left tackle and right tackle, a guy that's log snaps at guard and center, and it at least ensures you that you have a guy that can play a bunch of different positions if you need it to happen. If Brendel goes down and Brunskill's not healthy, you don't have to turn to Nick Zakel, who hasn't really had any experience, but you can go to Blake Hance. I think that's what they're doing right here. As far as technique and skills, I'm going to get more into the film, hopefully release something later on where I'm able to break down his film all the way and get a better understanding of who he is technique-wise. I've seen the cherry pick clips of him handling Joey Bosa and all that. Um, But I want to see the ins and outs, the bad plays, too. Those are very important to see. Um, So I think that's kind of where I'm at right now, and the things that John Lynch gave us a little bit more perspective on what they were thinking by putting in the claim for Hans. There was no guarantee they were going to get him, but once they did, they went ahead and moved on from Sermon because they felt they needed that value. Ten offensive linemen right now for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, That's a lot more than I thought. I thought it was 8 or 9, potentially, but it works out. Uh, And Mr. Croy said, did you get to observe Tariq Castro-Fields in practice? Do you look like uh, he's better than Ombre Thomas? So I watched Castro-Fields in practice every single day. The fact that the cornerbacks often worked out right in front of us meant most of the time I was staring right at them as they went through drills. But one thing that was highly noticeable about Tariq Castro-Fields was he didn't look 4-3 on film. Now, there's a lot of guys that run sub 4 440s, and then they just don't see it, especially right off the bat on film or in person. I think Tariq Castro-Fields is definitely fast, uh, but when you're thinking, when you're learning, uh, you slow down your processes. And I don't think Tariq Castro-Fields ever got to play up to full potential because he's a rookie that was still learning the scheme and learning what he had to do. Uh, they gave him a lot of opportunities to go out there and compete. I thought that Andre Thomas outplayed him during training camp, and that's saying a lot because Andre Thomas didn't have the best Training camp there was, but I did think he played better than Castro Fields. Castro Fields uh, often allowed players to catch the ball underneath and then rally to make tackles, but then his tackling wasn't on the level that I was expecting. Well, I think Castro Fields definitely can develop into a, a pretty good player in this league. I think that's why Washington pounced on him. But when you have the depth of the cornerback position like the 49ers do, uh, it's a little bit harder to hand or to keep a player like Tariq Castro Fields. So they just felt like they had to move on. But yeah, Omri Thomas definitely uh, overall talent wise is a little bit of a better football player. And overall the way he played was just a little bit better. So free Castro is not a bad player. I think he's going to develop nice in this league. I'm glad he got claimed by somebody because I think he can make an impact, but Omri Thomas was definitely the better option moving forward. So um I think when it comes down to it, uh, Castro fields uh, ends up landing in a good situ- situation for him and hopefully gets some playing time. And KMDR says, And just like that, Eric Bischoff's Dante Johnson is back and better than ever. Yes, that's another uh, thing that happened today is Dante Johnson makes his expected return uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. He's signed to the practice squad, but John Lynch didn't mince uh, any words saying he fully expects Dante Johnson to be a part of this roster during the season and helping the football team. I think now the only question is who's going to start at safety opposite of a Atala hufonga Will it be somebody like Tarverius Moore or will it be Dante Johnson? Um, to me, Johnson makes a lot of sense. He's good in coverage. But I fully expect Dante Johnson to be the fourth safety when they play Chicago. They'll probably pull him up at, from the practice squad. And he'll, he'll do the practice squad thing for a few weeks as they're looking to make decisions at a few players. And plus, they don't want to lose roster spots in other areas. So that would make sense to me. And then Twisted Clown says, John is hopeful Mac will be ready week one. Yeah, he is. I mean, they're they're hoping you know that these guys are going to be ready to go, that McGlinchey's going to be good, that Daniel Brunskill's going to be good. Um, you just have to be prepared just in case it's not. And uh, going ahead and insulating yourself to make sure you can win the first two or three games if something happens. I mean, and, and we're not out of the woods of Daniel Brunskill going on the IR. That was one thing that I was kind of paying attention to, the way they were keeping so many offensive linemen that just maybe, uh, that will happen. And what's up, Ernest? How's it going? Welcome to chat. Hope you're having a good day. But also Kyle, or also John Lynch uh, referenced in this about Nick Sakel and he talked about the fact that they see Nick Sakel being a future center in this league. So the thought process that I've had hasn't been wrong. Nick Sakel is a developmental center in this league, and what they're going to do is they're going to use Jake Brendel as a starter, Daniel Brunskill, or you know, uh, somebody else is going to fill in as the backup until Nick Zakel is ready to go. I think that's an exciting revelation, but not exactly a surprise to me because I felt that that was what was going to happen. I feel like Zakel is going to have an opportunity to be the starter for the 49ers in 2023 and beyond. The intelligence off the charts, uh, the physicality in college was there. So let's see if he can translate even more of that. And he has some really good reps over the preseason. He's just got to get more consistent with those. Uh, so I'm very, very hopeful about his potential. And then, Golden Dragon says Daniel Brunskill equals knee tendonitis. Uh, he has he was dealing with knee tendonitis all throughout minicamp. That he had a little bit of a hamstring issue against the Minnesota Vikings. All that is not good. That doesn't feel good. And then being able to you know play uh in these games makes it more difficult. Of course, tendonitis is never fun. That was the end of Jalen Hurd. That was something that we've had other players dealing with as well. Uh, tendonitis is uncomfortable and hard to play through. Uh, but if anyone can play, it's Brunskill. The guy doesn't miss football games. Uh, just look at his football career. He's just one of those guys that normally lines up. So if he's going to be able to go, he'll go. I, I have full confidence in Daniel Brunskill. That's just this is how he handles business. Mr. Croy says, Lynch said he turned down trade offers during training camp for Sermon. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm not kidding. Trey Sermon looked good during training camp. Trey Sermon is still highly valued around the league because... They remember what he did at Ohio State. They remember what he did at Oklahoma. And so you have a quarterback that, you know, now with Jalen Hurts that they can have a nice relationship. He fits with what Philly does. And he has a big offensive line to run behind. But don't be surprised if Trey Sermon doesn't have some big carries and big runs. Because I thought overall his vision has definitely matured. He's gotten better. Uh, his technique is better. So I look for him to do pretty well. I mean, he played an entire year for Bobby Turner. And then got to work with Anthony Lynn. That has to make you a better running back. And I felt it did. Just wasn't good enough with the potential of the running backs around him. And that's one thing that John Lynn said. Jordan Mason just played so dang good during the preseason. He took the spot from him. And that's just how it goes. Sometimes you just get outplayed. And that's what happened to Trey Sermon. Uh, he got outplayed. Rick says, I agree. Uh, everybody's going to be consistent and aggressive next week. And I ain't no week every game. But 40 yards, my friend, cut. I think the four years are going to have an absolutely great week next week against the Chicago bears. The roster for the Chicago bears isn't the best, but they are an NFL roster. You got to go in there and win it. And it's going to be early game 10 AM. Those are always difficult when you travel to a different time zone and they're going to have to overcome that. But I think they can. David Campbell says Lynch is such a great spokesman for the team. He never uh, fails to mention all the hardworking people under him. It was great to hear how they root out these uh, gems because of the scouts. Scouting department for the San Francisco 49ers has been fantastic. When you hear about some of the guys that they come up with, it's great. And you're right. John Lynch does a really good job of always making sure that he shares the wealth of credit. That is very important for a leader. Anytime that you can look around and give credit to the other guys who do work, they feel appreciated. And he probably really does appreciate them because they make him look better and better every single day. But that's why the 49ers have had so much success later in drafts because of the outstanding outing department. What's up, SG? How's it going? Welcome to chat, Mr. Corey. Uh, said then why didn't Lynch trade him as opposed to cutting him for free? The thought might have been that maybe they were still thinking they could get Jordan Mason to the practice squad. Remember when these teams are calling, it it might be that they're calling for Trey Sermon initially, but once Jordan Mason gets in the games and starts showing out, uh, then you realize, oh no, we can't get him to the practice squad. I guarantee when they came into training camp, their thought process was. Trey Sermon's going to be on this team. Jordan Mason's going to make it to the practice squad. And Jordan Mason just completely played so good. Remember, years ago, Seattle came in. We're going to have Matt Flynn as the starting quarterback. Russell Wilson is going to be his backup. And then he got outplayed. Russell Wilson became the starter. This just happens in the NFL. So your intentions might be one way, but when it happens, it flips. And I think that's why they kept him an extra day. They were trying to facilitate a trade. When that didn't materialize, then it was like, okay, we gotta release this guy because we claimed somebody else, and they did, they ended up waiving him. Uh, so yeah. Lewis says aunt in Lynch's 9-1 interview. He said he had trade offers for Serban. If so, why didn't he take rather than release him? That's just another example of why it shows he is an all all over his head as GM. I don't I don't agree. Uh, because you're getting offers doesn't mean you want to make a trade. And the 4 had a lot of value because he was playing so good. You don't just trade him at them at the point where he was getting those calls. Trey Sermon was outplaying Jordan Mason. I don't want anyone to think that wasn't happening. That was absolutely happening at training camp. Mason was getting limited reps. It wasn't that they were bad reps. He was improving. But Trey Sermon looked like the more legitimate starting running back in this league. At some point, it changed. Jordan Mason got more reps. Jordan Mason got better. Jordan Mason got more decisive. His practices got better. His preseason games proved that he was the better running back. And he won the position. At that point, John Lynch probably did reach out to other players. The problem was everyone knew that Jordan Mason had outplayed him. And now Trey Sermon's value wasn't as big around the league. Waited an extra day. You tried to move on from him. It didn't materialize. But I don't think that's bad GMing. Uh, I mean, bad GMing would be not having a talented roster like they do where they have pieces that other player, other teams want. Um, so some of these teams, I'm sure, sat back and waited to see who the 49 were going to release or waive. Then they went ahead and pounced on it. So, yeah, I'm not really worried about it. Mike says, is it just me? Was it weird uh, as hell seeing Jimmy at the podium again? Yeah, we're going to get into some of those as well. Because uh, since you brought it up, Mike, I do want to get into some of the things that happened today. And one of the things that happened was Trey Lance had some conversations about Jimmy Garoppolo. And here's what he said about his first encounter with Jimmy Garoppolo after the news came down that Jimmy was going to be a part of the roster in 2022. We talked uh the night that
1: the news broke just on the phone. Uh or te- we texted and then uh I saw him in the morning that you know that next morning we had practice. So came in. Uh got we had talked at his locker for a little bit. I mean it was all love. It, nothing's changed between us. Um he's like, man, I can say it a million times, but he's he's been my big bro and that's gonna nothing's gonna change there.
0: It's all love from uh Trey Lance and uh Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh there there is some interesting stuff that's going on there, of course. Anytime you add somebody in it makes it a little bit more interesting uh lou is saying he's not a, a lynch person and that's okay but anytime you build a roster uh this strong uh you gotta you gotta think that the gm is doing a pretty good job and and just like you said we just disagree Or yeah we agree to disagree uh that is okay as well uh trey lance is handling situations the right way all love between him and jimmy garoppolo so working out that relationship is going to be interesting um, but you know Trey Lance understands what's going on. He understood from the beginning. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan once again transparent with him about you know bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back, him being the backup quarterback. That that was a possibility. And then when it happened, you know, letting him know ahead of time that that was going to happen. And so he's able to handle it and, and kind of you know put it in his mind how things are going to go. And I think that's really really good uh, for him. And and that's important. And what's up, guy? Welcome to uh, chat. It says. Trey Lance is getting picked off by Taylor Rapp twice in week four. That's a bold prediction. I like bolds around here. We'll see if that happens. And, Guy, if it happens, make sure you come back uh, in week four, uh, after week four, and and let me know about it. I have no problem with that. Mike Thompson's liking Lynch as a GM, and now we're seeing a lot of things going on. And, and Brad Jones says, good to see Jimmy didn't ghost Trey. But you know what's nice about, about Trey Lance is Trey Lance has a really, really good understanding of, of the situation, all the quarterbacks involved and then what that entails. And he had another thing to say, and I wanna play this clip because he's talking about him and, and Jimmy Garoppolo on the team now. So before he talked about all love, now he's talking about them on the team. And maybe there's a maybe they understand that there's been a role change.
1: Uh no, I don't, I don't think the relationship changes the, the dynamic. Um it's just it's different, you know, the role or different roles. Uh but like I said, man, he's still gonna be a huge resource for me. Um, I'm gonna be able to ask him questions, bounce ideas off him, watch tape, um, you know, plays in practice, asking him after after each play, um, you know, what did he see? Just like I, same thing I could do with Nate, and same thing I could do with Brock, and same thing I could do with all of our QB coaches.
0: Yeah, I think he has an understanding of exactly you know the different dynamics that the relationship stays the same. It's just they change their roles because now Trey Lance is a starting quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo is the backup. Where last year it was the influx. Now I think. Jimmy Garoppolo probably felt more pressure that Trey Lance was going to take his position than Trey Lance feels pressure that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to take his position. I think it is entirely different situations, but I like that he's aware. I mean, being self-aware and then being aware of what's going on around you is very important. Um, and I, I like the way that, you know, that Trey Lance is getting into this. And Lou is saying, Ant, the draft is a crapshoot, but Lynch continues to sacrifice draft capital for bad risk. Edis, her, uh Williams, heard. Thurman are just a few examples. You're right. You could you could pr- you could j- definitely cherry pick those examples. Here's the problem: for all of those, there's a George Kittle in the fifth round. There's a Talanoa Fong in the fifth round. There's an Eli- there's an Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round. There's a Fred Warner in the third round. Um, uh, Debo Samuel, who everyone thought was too often injured at South Carolina, for every one of those examples, there's more really big uh, examples of him striking. Uh, them this scouting department being able to hit on undrafted free agents so yeah you're right there's guys who you miss on all the time every single gm go back and look at every single general manager around the league even the best ones and they have misses along the way the key is hitting more times than you miss and i don't think anyone can look at the 49ers current draft class right now that they had in this current season and say it was a bad one number one drake jackson at 61 Looks impressive so far. Then you got the third round picks, TDP, who's been playing pretty good. He's going to have to develop, of course, but he's definitely running with a lot of physicality and velocity. You add in Danny Gray, who we've already seen the impact he can make taking the top off the defense. Spencer Burford in the fourth round, who could be a starter. Nick Zakel, who could be your future starter. Samuel Womack, who's going to start at nickel corner, probably, or at least have a split time with Diomedo Lenore. I mean, those are just your first six round picks. That is absolutely impressive. Not to mention you have Kalia Davis, who's going to be on the NFI this year, who might impact this roster next year. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we could definitely go and look. I mean, Joe Williams was a Kyle Shanahan guy. That's that's true. Uh, they, he wanted him. I mean, and if you're going to argue that they're not maybe hitting on running backs, that's a clear uh, argument that we can have. Um, but I think sometimes taking multiple position, you know, players at multiple positions in one draft ensures you get one that works out. So with Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd, Kyle had a particular way he was looking to attack defenses. Didn't work out with Hurd. Took a risk in the third round. But it's a guy that had so much position versatility. You have to take some of these chances. Uh, so I'm I'm not with you all the way on that. I get where people come from about some of these uh, draft problems. But I feel like the 49ers do a pretty good job of drafting. And I think it's been illustrated... Recently in in recent memory of the last couple of years. I mean, Diameter Lenore looks good. Ombre Thomas played in the playoffs for us pretty strong last year. Tao Nohu is going to be a starter. Aaron Banks is going to start at left guard. Like, I I mean, I'm not seeing like the, you know, the big misses. Trey Lance is the, the starting quarterback. It looks like they've hit, especially over the last two drafts. So, I mean, yeah, we could keep looking back at 2017, 2018, 2019. You can find, you know, players that didn't work out, but I think you could do that with every single roster. Uh, that's just kind of my opinion. I, I just think that's how it works sometimes. Uh, but I think that overall, the, the Tom Lynch listens to Adam Peters. Uh, they work well together and they have a really good scouting department that goes out and finds gems. And anytime that you can hit on a player later in the rounds, yeah, the first round pick might have not worked out. You know, you Solomon Thomas didn't work out, but you know who did? George Kittle in the fifth round. And I don't think anyone would complain now if you look back about George Kittle in the first round because that's the kind of player. So it, it is, it doesn't always hit. Uh Bill, even the great Bill Walsh had positions he missed on. It's just as an evaluator, you're hoping you get enough opinions that you can make the right decisions, the most informed. I feel like the 40 ers are definitely trending in the right direction. Uh let's see. We got a lot of things going on in chat. Everyone's having um a lot of cool conversations about it. And, and I think that's important. And Harris says, What do you think Debo and Kittle stats will look like this year? I think that's an interesting question. I think both of them are going to approach a thousand yards receiving because I do think they're going to get involved with, you know, with this offense. I know a lot of people are looking at uh, Brandon Ayuk and saying, "Hey, he has a great relationship with Trey Lance." I fully expect that, to, you know, them to have chemistry, and I do, in fact, as well. I think Brandon Ayuk is going to take another step forward for a couple reasons. Number one, him and Trey Lance do have a good chemistry, but also secondly, there's going to be so much attention paid to Debo Samuel this year. Brandon Ayuk's going to have opportunities. You throw in the fact that Brandon Ayuk came in the most prepared he's ever been for NFL football. Fantastic. All of his routes look the same, no matter if he's breaking out, breaking in, taking it up the seam. It doesn't matter. They all look the same and consistent. And that's good news for the 49ers, and that is what Kyle Shanahan wanted, that violence on those on those runs, on those routes. Uh, he's violent. He presses these guys, and at the top of his stem, he makes great breaks. Well, I think that is something that Kyle's been pushing for, and he's going to get it out of Ayuk. They have three legitimate chances to get a 1,000-yard receivers between Kittle, Debo, and Brandon Ayuk. Uh, it could be a really fun years for these guys as they absolutely rack up stats. That's a good question. That was a really good question. Marketing process, forty ers run game suspect. Marketing pro. Is it, though? Did, did you watch Elijah Mitchell play in the preseason? No, we didn't even play our starting running back. Didn't even play Trent Williams, the best left tackle in the entire game. Mike McGlinchey didn't even play barely at all in the preseason. Uh, the run game is not suspect. You're not keeping four tight ends and and five physical running backs if your run game is going to be suspect. Uh, Spencer Burford can run block. Aaron Banks can run block. It's going to be just fine. Uh, but that I mean I like when Marketing Pro comes in here. He always makes the conversation interesting, and so I have no problems with it. Golden Dragon says the Trey Lance is better than ever. Uh, So, yeah, maybe. Uh, And then Brad Jones says, no team has perfect drafts. Seriously, the spine of the team is built on the drafts and undrafted free agents. I'm with you. I'm with you. And Marketing Pro's talking preseason. What's up, Spy Nick Danger? Uh, If you're going to rely on preseason Marketing Pro for your arguments, uh, have fun. I don't even have to argue with you on that. Uh, But I wanted to get into some of the things that Jimmy Garoppolo said as well, because... Jimmy got to talk to the press for the first time. And I thought we had some interesting things that came out of it. Um, And he talked first about just how weird things were at training camp. And I was there. Everything felt weird as he was on the side field. Listen to what Jimmy Garoppolo had to say about the weird situation.
1: Yeah, It was uh, was weird. It was different than any situation I've ever been in. Uh, I've been in some weird ones too. So (laughs) that's saying something, but no, it was, um, I think things worked out for the best, you know, there was a lot of uh, ups and downs r- rocky roads here and there but I think throughout the whole thing you know me I'm happy with where I'm at happy to be with the Niners I think the Niners are happy to have me back and it's uh and I think things are working out pretty well
0: You know it's it's one of those things where it's it's not exactly what he wanted you know he understands that he had to come into training camp because uh that's what's expected with his contract and he had to do it um and so you know you have to do that and at Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you could tell by some of the things he was saying that it made it a little bit uh, strange for him, you know, just being there, but yet not being in the meetings, not going through practices, you know, being on a side field and practicing. He was throwing to some of the guys that were getting used to, or coming off of injuries. There was just a lot of interesting things for Jimmy. And I was there in person when Jimmy Garoppolo showed up on the field was running on the side i mean we put a video up like right away seeing it the reaction he got from the fans was surprising to me as pretty much universally everyone cheered jimmy garoppolo which i thought was nice he he had done a lot for this organization but you could tell jimmy just looked uncomfortable he didn't know how to react to the fans he didn't know if he should salute them what he should do if it was drawing too much attention to him uh jimmy was definitely uncomfortable and i think he talked about that a little bit here it's just it's a weird situation the weirdest he's ever been a part of and he said he's been a part of some weird ones and i'm sure anything in new england with tom brady made it interesting for sure uh so i thought that that was weird and then john wilcox asked a good question what happened to donovan west i don't know i don't think donovan west has signed with anyone he has not signed with the 49ers practice squad he was highly touted coming out of arizona state i mean we did you know war rooms all during the off season and up to the draft process discussing who was going to be drafted it was pretty much universal from every content creator that we brought in that donovan west was going to go in the third or fourth round uh it was one of those things where i was one of the ones that was often in disagreement uh, i've preferred other guys over him but donovan west i did think he was draftable i thought he was definitely good enough to be drafted and good enough to make a football team but when we got into training camp in the preseason donovan West's inconsistencies that he showed in college persisted he still played high he still played narrow with his footwork he still was a a losing uh, grip of people that he was not able to latch on and have complete control he would get into that chest plate but he wouldn't uh, hold on to them and I think that was a real issue for West a lot of people I believe thought it was the thumb I know I started thinking maybe it was the thumb because he had the thumb surgery before the season maybe that was the reason he couldn't do it in college and he was going to change in the pros not the case Donovan West still struggled with all those things. And then you get to some inconsistent snapping, And all of a sudden, he's not a guy on the team. Now, 49ers have decided that Nick Sakel is going to be the future uh, rookie center. So it's not going to be West. Uh, Alec Lindstrom is out there as well, available. I think he's going to end up signing. I don't know if he did sign on a practice squad yet. But yeah, Lynn, uh, we'll see what happens with Donovan West. But so far, I haven't seen anything. And if anyone knows in chat that he landed somewhere, uh, go ahead and let me know. I would love to see that. Yeah, Lou is saying West was cut. Uh, Mr. Corey's asking about Saguna Luby. I still have not heard anything about him. The 49ers have went other ways with other linebackers, and they haven't been willing to go with uh, Alubi. So they must not have saw something, or he's not willing to come back onto the practice squad. Maybe he's looking for another situation, or they've seen enough. They've decided they're going McCrary Bowl, and they're not really interested in going Alubi. That would be a little bit surprising, even though I did kind of foresee him getting uh, waived. In the second cuts, he did not, he made it. It was Jeremiah Gemmel that was cut. And then Alubi kind of had a pretty good game um the last week against the Houston Texans, but he hasn't been able to land on a football team, which has been interesting. So I thought that you know those are some of the things Mr. Cory says, Let's bring Moster back. There's no way we're getting Moster back. As much as I would love to have Raheem Moster back, I just don't think it's in the cards, not something that they can make happen um so maybe they will you know maybe they will and and since we're about halfway through the show thank you everyone for that's come through so far if you have the opportunity if you could give this video a like i would really appreciate that it means a lot if you're a first time watcher you've watched for a while but haven't subscribed think that i've earned a subscription please subscribe really appreciate it we just passed 3k we're working towards you know getting to another number and 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 continuing to build the channel i really appreciate that so much uh, Bobo says, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. I love optimism, Bobo. Thank you for coming in chat and throwing that down. And Kyle Shannon and John Lynch have made sure that we have a quarterback room, that even if we suffer an injury, we have the potential guys that can go ahead and get in there and win football games. And we heard, uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo talk about the weird situation. Now, let's listen. When Matt Mayoko asked Jimmy Garoppolo if he had asked for his release, and this is what Jimmy Garoppolo had to say about it.
1: It, that just wasn't the way I wanted it to go, I think uh that that there was a thought of that at one point. trust me, there was, but um that came and went, and I don't know, things just kind of kept falling into place, and I'm one of those people that you know I don't want to really ruffle the feathers too much here and there and kind of want to just go with the flow and that's kind of the way the training camp was going, and I was happy with it and uh like I said, things worked out, and I'm happy now.
0: Jimmy's not about ruffling feathers, and I think that was why it was important for this clip to be played. Because you have Trey Lance as the starting quarterback. And if anytime you have a backup that is going to be this uh that is not going to want to ruffle feathers, but is going to want to do what the team wants, that's good news for Trey Lance. You don't have to worry about Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, doing things behind the scenes to try to take over Trey Lance's spot because that's not what he's about. That's not the guy he is. That's why I thought it was so important. But, you know, he didn't ask for a release. He just let things play out and things worked out a certain way. And he felt like it worked out to where, you know, everything signaled him coming back to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so I thought that that was in, interested. And then John Wilcox says, has West been claimed? No, I don't believe he has. Um, so I don't believe that West has been claimed overall. And Mr. Corey says, and let's do it. Levi's and Chant, we want Moser, we want Tart back. Uh, if Moser was available, I would be all over that. I just don't think Mike McDaniel is going to let anyone near Raheem Moser. He knows what that dynamics is means to his offense. But I don't think he lets that happen. As far as Jaquiski Tart, I would love to have Tart back, but it just seems like for whatever reason, they have decided to distance themselves from Jaquiski Tart. Now that could change tomorrow. They could go ahead and bring him in, but uh so far that hasn't been the case. And until it does, um just you know, just nothing. And Mike Thompson says I'm rooting for Moser and McDaniels uh, with the 49ers East yeah I am too I'm gonna root for the Miami Dolphins I'm gonna root for Mike McDaniel I think he's a good guy I always enjoyed his pressers I thought he was fantastic the way he spoke and just the way he approached the game was fun uh, Raheem Mostert's one of the fun guys to watch and he's a guy that I think everyone can support he's just a good guy and so I will support them as well uh, so anytime I'm watching the teal I'll be rooting for those two guys I think that'll be fun and I think a lot of people that are 40 year fans are going to catch those as well uh, and then john says what up tcc who signed trey sermon so trey sermon went over to um the philadelphia eagles uh so that's what happened uh and marketing pro saying tart a ram i don't know if that has happened uh, but marketing pro is claiming that but trey sermon ends up going over um to the philadelphia eagles they claim him they put him with jalen hurts i think they're gonna have an interesting thing there because you're going to have, you know, a running quarterback. You can run the read option. You can do the things that you need to do. And so, maybe that'll happen. Maybe they'll maybe they'll bring him, uh, or maybe they'll get that nice offense going with them, that read option. Jalen Hurst did that to San Francisco a little bit last year in week two. Um, we'll see if that goes on full display now. with uh, the, the change of scenery is going to be good for Sermon. I hope Sermon ends up working out. I really do. I want to see him do well. And so far, you know, he hasn't worked out. He didn't work out for the 49ers. But maybe his career... We'll work out the right way. And then Lou says Mostert couldn't stay healthy. That was the issue, but I liked him. Yeah, as far as speed and dynamics go, uh, just one of the, the fastest, greatest to do it. But um, two straight years, injuries, you know, and you just can't count on him. 49ers weren't willing to invest in him. Uh, but for Mike McDaniel, you take the risk. You're going in your first season. You know you're going to have a little bit of leeway, but getting that dynamic speed is what they were all about. And especially when you had Tyreek Hill, you had Raheem Mostert already go with Jalen Waddle. A tremendous speed from them. They're gonna be uh very fun to watch. Uh Francisco Johnson says glad to see Jimmy G shooting shots of the best riders or at right, the beat riders. You always gotta love Jimmy G taking care of business. And David Campbell because could you see Trey involved in the run game more with Jimmy as a backup? They definitely could, you know. What I mean, that's the thing, right? Now you don't have to worry about those situations. I think you know, which if you had Sudfeld, and you know, Trey said some heartfelt things about Sudfeld, he was happy to see him land, but um when you have Nate Sudfeld. Trey Sermon has to worry about his body at all times and staying healthy. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan, you know, if he needs to in the fourth quarter now, he can dial up a run play to Trey Lance and know that if something happened, he would have Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, to back him up. Now, by all, with all that being said, they do not want Trey Lance to get hurt. They want him to be the starting quarterback all year because he gives them the best situ- opportunity to win, and that's what they're about. But, yeah, I mean, you you at least rest a little bit easier that if some freak thing happens, if Trey hits his finger on somebody's helmet, or whatever the situation is, that you've got Jimmy Garoppolo to trot out there, and you know he understands this offense and understands what he needs to do, which is so Im- important. Um, and so, yeah, I really like that. And I see a good comment here from Jerome, and I'm going to get that into a second. But I wanted to go off of what David said about Jimmy, because when it came down to it, Jimmy talks about how um, he's happy with the situation. And this is the last video clip I wanted to show. It's Jimmy talking about this situation and how it all ended up working out.
1: A lot of things, actually. I think just uh, the opportunity to be with the same team, team that I'm familiar with, offense I'm familiar with, coaches, players, all that stuff really played a big role in it. Uh, Seeing the other opportunities that were out there and just, you know, you you weigh in the pros and cons of everything. Trust me, there was a lot of (laughs) back and forth going on just with other teams and what I wanted my future to look like. And so this is what I wanted. Uh, I'm, I'm happy the way it worked out. And, you know, it's just the familiarity, I think, was a big part of it.
0: Understands the offense, knows what to do, everything that's going on with it. Looked at some of the other situations, had some back and forth with the team, uh, but you know he, this was the best situation for him. And Jimmy Garoppolo realized what's going on. And of course, you know I thought that was so important. The clips that we played today illustrated where Trey Lance's mind is with the situation, where Jimmy Garoppolo's is. And I think when it comes down to it, all parties involved are happy that this ended up working out. That this relationship. You know It's still intact, and now the 49ers can put out the best possible room. Trey Lance even said that. The room got better with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, and I thought that was very clear. The fact Jimmy wants to be here is exciting. That will make it easier for everyone, and we had some really good chats that came through as well that I wanted to make sure that we got into. I didn't want to miss them because I saw uh, some some good stuff, and Jerome Clay said, if you truly understand competition, whoever Jordan Mason is up against he will outshine them because he's cut from a different cloth. Believe that if he stays healthy, other people lose jobs, no doubt. I like Jordan Mason, I like his attitude, I like the way he approaches the game. There are things in his game that you know are absolutely tremendous that he does high at a high level, and there's things he's continuing to work at. As he works at those things, I expect him to get entirely better. Uh, so I'm excited about Mason overall and what he's going to add to this football team. I'm, I'm also you know, on the fence about who's going to be the short yardage back. Uh, TDP has been slotted in there. He got all the reps during the preseason. But I won't be shocked if Jordan Mason doesn't go in there and absolutely take that spot. So excellent comment from Jerome. I like that. I like the belief also in Jordan Mason. Mike Thompson says Thurman may play well with the Eagles. Eagles may be the team uh, to beat in the NFC. The Eagles have a very tough team uh, defensively. One of the best defensive lines. A little bit of questions in the secondary, but they have some really, really good football players there. Good offensive line. I think it comes down to Jalen Hurts. You know what he can do, uh, but they've got a tremendous amount of talent. They moved on from Jalen Rager, which they probably needed to do. But yeah, I think they've got a very talented roster to, at a team that's going to need to be uh, reckoned with in the playoffs. We'll see what happens with the Eagles, but overall, I think that was a solid move from them. I don't see him, you know, you know, becoming in a Pro Bowl or anything like that. But I think he'll make some plays for them. Zach uh, Francisco said, "I did, I did like seeing." The new O lineman uh, manhandled the other Bosa. Hopefully, he comes in and keeps up with that blocking prowess. Yeah, you know that's the only thing, John. With some of these uh, cherry picked clips, you're gonna see the best highlights. You want to see some of the the tougher ones along the way. Um, so I think that J Ellie coming through, letting us know who signed that Saguna Luby signed with the Colts. Uh, so good for him. He's staying in the league, and I think that that's important. Uh, WGM says as of today, do you like the roster more or less? I love the roster. This is a, a really good roster put together with extreme depth around. They've insulated themselves to be able to handle you know, a lot of injuries. And then you look at the practice squad. Whenever you have a practice squad that has two of my favorite young players, in Quantrez, Knight, and Taylor Hawkins, but also has two veterans that I really wanted to keep, especially Kamoko Teray, I think you've got to be excited about it. So they got young players and a mixture of talent all throughout this roster. All 70 guys, in fact, uh, can be excited about. Uh, Seth says Jimmy will be gr- a great trade bait when a desperate team needs that one midseason. I Think you're right, you know, and, and as long as it's the right situation, the way that you've heard Jimmy talk is, is the right situation is important to him for his career to make sure that he still looks good. He doesn't want to go to a bad team, look bad, not have an opportunity to have not only another good contract, but you know another second half of his career where he's able to compete, win championships, win playoff games. That's what he wants. He's a competitor. Uh, so, yeah, I think he, there will be some trade bait out there. And if somebody suffers an injury, there somebody will call the 49ers. And at that point, the Niners will have to decide if the juice is worth the squeeze. If you're going to offer enough for Jimmy Garoppolo, then we'll be willing to entertain that. And all the while, Jimmy's got to sign off on it. So if both parties sign off on it and they send Jimmy down the road, you know there's going to be a pretty significant amount of compensation that comes down. Warriors will get that compensation ready to move forward and continuing to build their roster. And then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo gets his chance for a restart. So I think that was interesting. And Jimmy had a lot of comments about his injury, too, talking about the shoulder was worse than the thumb. And I think a lot of people figured out along the way. But uh, talked about how he rehabbed for three to four weeks. Just didn't get better, so he had to have surgery. And I think that's been pretty consistent all throughout the Jimmy Garoppolo camp and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. I, I know there's some stuff going around that there's conspiracies that he did it to purposely not get traded. I don't know if those are the case. Mike Thompson says, so Jimmy's salary can be up to like $16 million, I believe. If he doesn't play and uh, and hit his incentives, he would make about 6 Does the other $10 million roll over to next year's cap? So if he doesn't reach his incentives, so if he doesn't have those performance uh, accelerations kick in, then it doesn't kick in. So what you have is a 6500000 million. He'll have the roster bonus because he's going to be active for these football games, which is $500,000. That will account for this year's salary cap. All the other ones are likely to be earned. If he does not meet those incentive requirements, those do not hit the salary cap at all. If he does meet them, then they would hit next year's salary cap. So it's a low risk for this season. High reward. You're betting on Trey Lance staying healthy and not needing Jamie Garoppolo. But if you do, he's ready. So the way I look at it is, if you need him to be a starting quarterback, he gets paid to be a starting quarterback with these incentives if you don't need him and he's a backup he's getting paid as a backup at 6.5 million dollars to me it was a well worked out contract both sides really came to an agreement that makes sense uh so overall i like it for sure and then um JLE letting us know the Giants signed davis and jefferson um so those guys are off you know off the books so those guys aren't available Mike says and how does the salary work if we trade him midseason it ends up being prorated so he gets paid per game so whatever you know money is available still when you get to that you know that point um is a prorated salary so if you trade him it comes off the books you only have to pay the guaranteed money so it's an interesting thing but the other team would have to pick up the remainder of his salary you would be on the hook for whatever um, he had earned throughout the games that he had played for your football team or been a backup and dress for your football team. Mr. Cory says you can only have one back, Buckner, Mostert, or Tomlinson, who you're taking. I'm taking Mostert. Um, I'm I'm not. I mean, as much as I want to say Mostert, because I love his explosiveness at the running back position and I would love to plug and play him. I'm worried about him getting hurt. Uh, And I know that one of these guys, or actually two of these guys, have been absolutely consistent. Um, So I would go with Buckner. For the mere reason is, why not just make your defensive line even better? Imagine Buckner being out there on obvious pass downs. It'd be freakish. Uh, So I would probably go Buckner, even though, I mean, I guess salary wouldn't matter. But uh, I would normally have went with Mostert if you had talked to me last year. But I'm just so worried about his injuries. And I've seen Elijah Mitchell, and I'm impressed with him. Does he have the same dynamics as Raheem Moser? No, or Moser changes the game in a big way. I'm worried about him being hurt. Uh, so I just, I couldn't do it. Uh, WTM says, who is likely to be available first, Verrett or Ward? I think they're both going to be pretty close to the same time. I would actually expect Verrett to be more available early. I think after four games, Jason Verrett will be available. I think Jimmy Ward is probably closer to six to eight weeks. I think it would be smart to wait. And As long as the 49ers are winning football games, then you go ahead and you wait on Jimmy Ward. Uh, being patient with both of them is going to be important this year. Making sure you have both of them later on in this season is more important than rushing them back. Now you might be more inclined to rush them back if your team is struggling. You don't expect that with games against Chicago, which Jay Sanders keeps saying the Bears are going to win. Um, I still I'm still waiting to know who Jay Sanders thinks is a talented offensive player besides Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields. But um, you got you know guys that you. You gotta be able to get out there. So you can win against Chicago, you can win against Seattle. Uh, those are two winnable football games. Denver's tough, Los Angeles Rams are tough. No joke. Uh, but if you get out of that situation three and one, I think you're pretty happy about the way your team's looking, and you can kind of slow play those guys in. We want those guys to be to be ready, and and that's important. And uh, Mike Thompson's agreeing and says Buckner for sure. Yeah, Buckner, I mean, just fantastic, absolute technician. Um <laughs> Jay Sanders is in spilling some weird stuff. That is so funny. Uh David Montgomery. I do like David Montgomery. So well done, Jay Sanders. I appreciate that. But yeah, so all these comments that we had coming from the 49ers today, I think is good news. And I'm I'm glad we're getting through it because we're transitioning now from 53 man talk. You know, this week is going to be all about 353, the roster, uh continuing through that. But then once we get to next week, it's all about the Chicago Bears, it's all about continuing. Know, this getting preparation for Chicago and the season actually starting just think guys. I mean as of I mean as of uh today, we're a week away from football. Next Thursday NFL football is back and then actually, you know, it's just a week from Sunday 49ers football is back. Can't wait. This is going to be so exciting. I've been waiting for this. It feels like it's been forever even though it's only been since the end of January that we've waited for 49ers football to come back. Uh Mike Thompson said that Ward injury will hurt horribly. It, it's not good. You know, the 49ers have tried to insulate themselves at the safety position in a multitude of ways. Number one, they have Tarvaris Moore, who had, you know, been playing pretty tough uh, before he had the injury. Now, is he all the way back? Not sure. Don't know if he's going to get back all the way. And then you have Dante Johnson. They signed to the practice squad. They have Gibson. They signed to the practice squad. And then they have young, undrafted free agent Taylor Hawkins, who I really like a lot. So I think that they've done a good job of insulating themselves at the safety position, and they're probably going to have three guys on the active roster when we go into the Chicago, and they're just going to elevate one of these guys. Fully expected to be Dante Johnson. He had a lot of practice with the Forty yards at free safety, and I expect him to do that. I think they'll roll in with Odom, Long at strong safety, Tarvarius Moore, and Dante Johnson at the safety position, at the free safety position. So, uh, yeah, those are some guys right there. Mr. Corey says, the only reason I didn't say Buckner is because I'm ready to give Kinlaw... Uh, his last chance, I think Kinlaw's going to do fantastic. But um, I think, you know, when looking at it, Buckner is not exactly a guy that plays the nose tackle position. Uh, Buckner played interior a lot, and he played the three-tech. So it would actually be Armstead and, and Buckner that would be in a rotation. Now, you could easily, especially in nickel situations, play them together. Side Arms, Armstead over, go you know, to that n- nose tackle role. But you're right. You want to see Kinlaw spin. But that's out of the, the players that I was available to pick from. Buckner, to me, is just so dynamic. I want him a part of this rotation. Having Kinlaw be rotating in as well is good for everyone. So that's how I would roll with it. I, I'm definitely, definitely down with all that. Um, Mike Thompson says, who's ready for some effing football? Yes. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. And Golden Dragon says, number 30, George Odom, is, is going to fall out against the Bears. I think he's going to make an impact on special teams. I don't know how much he's going to get to play on defense. If he does play on defense, uh, then that, what does that mean? Is Hufanga off the field? Did they roll with him next to Hufanga? That would be interesting. But I do think he's going to make special teams uh, plays. I think him and Oren Burks are definitely big-time special teams guys that we need to count on to make plays. David Campbell says, I'm just not a Tarverius Moore fan. He's the slowest 4th-3 player I've ever seen. Um, Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to a Tarverius Moore... Hasn't had an impressive training camp. He had, didn't have an impressive preseason. Let's see what happens when they start scheming things up. Maybe that will help him out. But he hasn't played bad enough that the 49ers aren't willing to go get Jaquitsky Tart or willing to you know, release him and add Dante Johnson to the active roster. So we got to remember that. But you're right. He has underperformed. I think coming out of 2019, everyone thought in 2020, he was ready to elevate and take over next to Jimmy Ward. That just hasn't materialized We'll see if they end up getting there, but yeah, you're right. I mean, right now it hasn't been that great. Um, hopefully it works out. Uh, WTM says, what's your take on Trent only getting one all pro and Bosa zero? Uh, Trent Williams is the best offensive lineman in the league. I think he deserves to be an all pro every single year. He plays at the level that he played he's A future hall of famer, in my opinion. And I think after a couple years, he's going to be considered the best 49ers offensive lineman in history, which is saying a lot. He just does it at that high a level. With Bosa, Uh, Bosa's going to have himself another tremendous year. He got absolutely robbed of an All-Pro last year. That will not be the case this year. Nick Bosa will be an All-Pro. He's going to prove to everyone what's up. Plus, it's a contract year. He's going to be motivated because he could easily take his money, which is starting at $30 million to $35 or $40 million annually. Oh, boy, that's a lot of money. But Nick Bosa probably deserves it. And John Lynch and Kyle Shannon have been very clear. As long as they are running the show in San Francisco, Nick Bosa Will be a part of the roster. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh Mike says Moore is not a 4-3 guy anymore after the Achilles. I think that's very true. Um, easy. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And Mr. Course is Moore has been living off his 4-3 stuff for years. Yeah, I want to see what his development is here. You know, how how quick is he able to decipher what offenses are doing? You so know, is he able to recognize looks? If he can start using the mental part of it, he's still fast enough. He's not a 4-3 guy, no but he's still fast enough to be able to make those plays. Instincts are big, but recognition is even bigger because if you're football smart and you understand what a team is trying to do to you or how they're trying to attack, you're able to anticipate and get there. Um, certain things tip you off, how far the quarterback drops, you know, what the running or where the wide receiver lines up on the field, uh, places they're going to be able to attack. All those things are giveaways. Also, you start looking at teams and you start figuring out So instances where they have certain personnel groupings together and what those mean. uh, There's a lot of a variety of different things. And Jason Verrett is one of the best at doing that. Him and Richard Sherman were fantastic. And we've seen Fred Warner decipher things as well. If they can translate that and continue to translate that to the other players, a guy like Tarverius Moore could benefit hugely from that. Being able to decipher and then now all of a sudden you don't have to have that speed. You can go attack and get there at the right moment. So hopefully he's grown. I think if he did grow, that'd be big for this 49ers team because we really do need Tarverius more to step up, especially early in the season as Jimmy Ward's on IR. Uh, Mike says, Trent may be one of the greatest linemen in NFL history. It might come down to that. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited about all of that. And you know what? Uh, Jay Sanders is letting everyone know in chat what's going on with the Bears, which I enjoy. Thank you so much uh, when you come in and you're from another team, especially a team we're about to play. Having a conversation about the team is fun. Uh, so talking about players that are going to be player playing players that are out, it, it's exciting, and I I think that um that's the kind of discourse discourse we like in chat. So well done, Jay Sanders, for having a nice conversation with everybody about it. I love it. And Wtm says, can you see a five and two start? I definitely think it's possible. You know, I mean, you just have to make sure you win a couple of games. There's going to be some difficult ones along the way. Uh, you have the Rams twice, which is not easy. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, which is never easy proposition. You have the Denver Broncos. But if you go start the season 3 and 0 or 4 and 0 in fact, I think that's your best chance to go 5 and 2, knock off the Denver Broncos, knock off the Rams, then you have a real good chance of getting it done. But uh you as easy as it is to go 5 and 2, uh you could easily see the 49ers going 3 and 4. I don't think that's the case. I think the 49ers are going to win a lot of football games this year. I think they've built it the right way. Defense is going to keep them in the game. Uh, but yeah, 5-2, and two I think, is realistic. It makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, maybe that goes in. Braxton Jones, i seen Jay Sanders bring it up. Braxton Jones was a player that everyone was high on in the draft, and he's actually had a really good offseason and preseason. So I'm curious to watch him in person. Let's see if Nick Bosa gets lined up against him or if they end up going Samson Ebicom. I think you're going to see Bosa move all over the place. So Bosa versus Braxton Jones is going to be fun. I can't wait to do the pre uh, the preview show next week. By oh, way, I could talk about key matchups. That might be one of them, uh, just to let everyone in on it, but that's going to be a lot of fun. David Campbell says, Me and the 49ers are living rent-free in the Bears fans' head. It could be. We'll, we'll see what's up. Uh, but I would like to say to everyone, thank you so much for joining the show. It was an absolutely fun show. You guys drove it again. The Q&A was fantastic. All the questions and comments were really good, and I appreciate you. Hope you all enjoy a Thursday night, the last Thursday night for a while without NFL football. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. There's going to be some content coming out tomorrow and along the way as well. Uh, Hope you guys all have a good one. Thank you so much for helping me out with this show. It's Always good being in chat with every single one of you. Have a good night. Stay safe. And remember the right way is always the 49ers.